Christ's mission is our mission. There's a reason why our call to share Christ and his gospel is called the Great Commission. Not just another commission, it is the greatest task you will ever be assigned. Do you know that the tremendous blessing of helping somebody walk from darkness into light is an opportunity that we will never have again after we die? Never. There's no lost people in heaven. There's no need for evangelism. You have one chance to be a part of the work of Christ in saving someone's soul. And you're living in that chance right now. Good morning, church. All right, great to see you. Do me a favor, get your Bible out. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 12, and I'm finishing up a series called Love What Jesus Loves, and um, kind of been looking at the three words that the New Testament uses to describe the church. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Andrew. Uh, last week, I got uh, bronchitis about Friday is when I got diagnosed. I was coughing my head off, and so I called him Friday. I was like, dude, you're up on Sunday, so it's no small thing. He'd been traveling a ton, so I really, really appreciate him stepping in. He did a great job, by the way, and he talked about the church, you know, being having this hidden treasure and clay jars, and so that's us. So I'm picking back up. This is a sermon I was supposed to preach last week, and uh, and so we've been looking at three words that describe the church. The church is the is the flock of Christ. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. The church is the bride of Christ. Today we're going to look in 1 Corinthians 12. The, the church is the body of Christ. So get your note sheet out. Get your Bible out. Uh, while you're doing that, a couple of real quick announcements. Next Saturday is our couple's dinner at Yorktown. It's at 6.30 please, please, please register uh, so that we know that you're coming, okay? Then the following Saturday is our We Are Coastal class. And uh, if you're not yet a member and you've been thinking about like linking arms and committing with us in this local church, man, this is it. We would love for you to be a part of our membership. That's our We Are Coastal class. It's, sat it's September 17th, 5 p.m. to about 8.30. Child care is provided for this. And let me just pause here for a minute and say this on registrations. Uh, as you guys know, uh, inflation's hitting everybody, right? And so one of the things that's inflating is food costs. And uh, we really, really try to make sure we have enough food. We want to buy enough, have a little bit extra in case some people show up, but we don't want to buy so much that we waste. Everybody with me? And so it's getting really, really more important as a church that we register so that we get the right head count, so we buy enough food. We don't want anybody to come and then not have enough food. So it's kind of that tension. Like, come anyway if you didn't register, but you may not have anything to eat, okay? So, uh, so that's the deal. So we're really trying to, the money that you donate, we're trying to use and steward, and part of that is even our food costs. So register, that helps us. And then finally, uh, we, have our, um, we have our small groups are starting next week, okay? So if you are not in a small group, we twice a year um, want you to commit to being in a small group for eight weeks. So this week is an eight, this month is an eight, this fall is an eight-week series. And, uh, and so this is a grow booklet. If you don't have a small group, pick up a grow booklet on the way out, or you can go to our website and this booklet will be on the website as well. I guarantee you there's a small group that fits your time or your place in life or your location or whatever is important to you. Uh, we have a small group for you. Please, please, please join a small group and make that commitment for eight weeks. It's really important part of our discipleship process here at Coastal. All right, so let's jump in this morning. I, um, I don't know if you've ever had this. I'm sure you have if you're a parent where um, 
your kid has come to you and said, man, I really want to try whatever, fill in the blank. I want to try an instrument, right? I, I want to try dance. I want to try a sport. You know, I want to try the chorus, right? And of course, you always want to encourage your children to expand their hobbies and opportunities, but there's times where your kids come to you and the thing that they want to try, you know, man, they're not good at. Like, this is not going to go well and you want them to follow their heart and chase their dreams, but you're like, this one's not going to end well. You know, I I want to try, you know, chorus. And you're like, you can't sing, okay? So this won't go well. And so so in that, as a parent, you encourage them to try, but you're also thinking, I may have to pick up the pieces when this doesn't go well. And, and so there was a mom that had that with their kid. Their kid said, I want to try out for the school play. The mom knew that the child had stage fright. The child, mom knew that the, the, the child wasn't very dramatic. She had low expectations that her son was going to get a part. And so the week of tryouts came, the son tries out. And on Friday, they were going to be announcing the parts to who was going to get what part of the play. And so this mom, she gets to the school early. She parks out front. She's like, I know it's going to be a lot of tears and a lot of dejection. And much to her surprise, her, her son comes running out and he's beaming and he's just glowing, smiling from ear to ear. And he hops up in the car and mom's like, I, she was shocked. And she's like, so what happened, honey? And he goes, mom, guess what I get to do? And she said, what? And she goes, they told me that I get to sit in front of the play and clap and cheer uh, when things are going on. So uh, there's a place for everyone, I suspect, right? And this child was ecstatic. But um, let me say this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, um, there is a place for you. In fact, it's, it's actually mandatory that you find a place of ministry in your local church. And so we've looked at the three words that, uh, the, that the, there's more, of course, but three that the New Testament uses to describe the church, right? The first week, we looked at the flock. Jesus calls his church the flock, which he shed his blood for, that we might be forgiven of our sins and that we might be a part of his family, if you will, the flock. And then last two weeks ago, we looked at He calls the church the bride of Christ. I mean, talk about intimacy and how he views you and I and us as a church. And then this morning, uh, I want to look at 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul calls the church the body. It, it, It is the hands and feet of the gospel of Christ here on the planet. And in fact, if the gospel is going to go forward... Jesus doesn't have another plan. There's not not plan A and plan B. Like your plan A and plan B, that you and I being uh, working together in our local church as the hands and feet of Christ is the plan to exalt the gospel in the community. So here we go. Point number one. All right. The first thing in 1 Corinthians 12 is that the unity and the diversity is the body of Christ. There's unity and diversity in the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, Paul writes this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, all were made to drink 
of one spirit. So the first thing I want you to see is the body of Christ. That's what the church is. Let me start with the gospel. The gospel message is that we're sinners and our deserve, what we deserve is the wrath of God, but God in his grace and his mercy. So if you're new to Coastal, you're like, why are they standing up and singing these songs when the words aren't even on the screen? Like they're shouting them out. What is, what is this, your, you know, how great is our God? It's because as a Christian, you recognize the good news of the gospel. That because of my sin and rebellion against the character of God, what I deserve was the wrath of God, but God interceded on our behalf, on my behalf, on your behalf, with his very best gift. And he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel message, right? And so like Spencer prayed, like we can, we can be the hands and feet of Christ by a good word or a kind deed, but actually every person, them knowing that we care for them is not the gospel, we actually have, there are things that a person has to know to be connected with their creator. And this is the gospel. We've tried to make it really simple for you at Coastal. And in fact, during our eight-week series, we're going to be partnering together two smaller series. We're going to do prayer and evangelism because we think they go hand in hand, right? We need to be praying and we need to be sharing the gospel. And the gospel is really simple. If you're a member of Coastal, you should be able to tell the gospel to anyone. And the gospel is Jesus is God. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Jesus bodily rose from the grave. And when we repent of our sin, believe in the facts of the gospel and receive Christ into our heart, mind, and life, we are saved from the penalty of our sin. We're saved from the wrath of God that we deserve. The wrath of God is instead poured out on Jesus on the cross instead of us. And then Jesus' perfect works of righteousness are gifted to us by grace through faith. So here it is, ready? Jesus is God. Jesus lived the perfect life. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the grave. To know, to connect with your creator, you need to repent, believe, and receive in Jesus. Amen? Everybody in this room should be able to tell that. So when you're around Thanksgiving dinner, you're in your, your dorm, you're with your family at Christmas time, you're at your neighbor's cookout, as you're talking about spiritual things and somebody doesn't know God, you should be able to say, here's how you connect with God. Jesus is God, Jesus lived a perfect life, down across for your sin, he bodily rose from the grave, repent, believe, and receive Christ. Amen? I want you guys to be able to tell that, everybody, so that when you go out of here, you're on mission, all right? Once we receive the gospel... The scriptures are clear that, that as a Christian, we get a deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is now Christ in us through the Spirit of God, transforming us from the inside out to be more like Christ and more like our creator our, and the character of our God, okay? And so now the rest of this sermon, I am preaching to Christians, okay? And so as a Christian, Paul says, you have the Spirit of God in you, and this unifies us as a church, right? So here's the language that we very often use. We very often say, man, I'm going to church, and that's convenient, and I understand why we say that. But it's actually inaccurate. Once we are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in us, and we are the church. Everybody with me? You're the church, in Christ, if we love Christ, we love what Christ loves, and he loves the church. And what Paul says here, letter B, is he reminds us of the beauty of the body is a unified diversity. 
So what unifies us is the Spirit of God in us, and the Spirit of God takes the things that the world uses to separate us and unifies us. Isn't that amazing? So what does Paul say? There's not Jew or Greek. We live in a culture that's trying very, very desperately to divide by race. It's everywhere, right? Different skin colors dividing us. But in the church, it should not divide us because the Spirit of God unifies us. The gospel takes what the world wants to separate and pulls it together to work together for the cause of exalting the gospel of Jesus Christ. No place for racism in the church, amen? amen. Because we're unified. It we uh, doesn't matter your skin color. You're a sinner. You need to bow a knee to the lordship of Jesus. That unifies all of us. Paul says there's, there's not slave or free, right? This is socioeconomic classes. They're unified here in the church. There's, there's bosses and employees serving together in the church. I've even... I've even seen in this church where God has raised up a spiritually in this church, a leader in the church that's an employee, where when they come to church, the boss has to submit to the employee. If you can even imagine that, right? Because there's a spiritual maturity and leadership in the church. The church brings together the rich and the poor. You go out of this room, man, the, the culture wants to wage war against those, like a class warfare but not in the church. The Spirit of God, there's this beauty in unifying our diversity that, that we come together for the good of the gospel. God brings together one talent people and five talent people. Matthew 25, right? The Lord gives different levels of gifting and talents. I was, I was watching Sydney back here play the viola, and I saw her last night at the Williamsburg thing playing the keyboards, and I'm like, Sydney, how many instruments did you play? And she told me, and it's a lot, you know? And I'm like, like you're the five-talent person, you know, that I'm talking about. You have all these incredible giftings and, and talents that are brought together. And so unity in the church is the letter C, is, which is already, already hit on this, is the Spirit of God in every Christian. So there's this diversity, a broadness in our church that's brought together by the Spirit of God being in each of us. And then this verse 14 is kind of the bridge between letter C and letter D. For the body, verse 14, <clears throat> does not consist of one member, but of many. So there's this, this unity and diversity, right? It's a body, but it's many members come together. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? What Paul is saying, I mean, it's kind of an obvious illustration, but diversity is essential. Like we, you're, you're important. What makes you different is why you're important to the body of Christ. In order for the body to function, it, it, it needs diversity. Paul's illustration is, is kind of self-explanatory, but, but imagine, if, imagine if you lost one of your senses, right? If you lost one of your senses, what would we call that? If you lost one of your senses, what do we call that? We call it a disability, right? 
You lost your sight. You, you got a disability. Listen, if, if, if you're not serving in this church, we have a disability. We're, we're not all that we could be for the gospel and, and for, the, for the cause of Christ. Think about, think about Sunday morning service. <clears throat> think about what, what's required here at the Yorktown campus just, just for us to, to pull off corporate worship on Sunday morning. Just one part of the ministries that we do, right? There's, <clears throat> there's a children's department, right, that takes care of birth all the way up to fifth grade that requires volunteers. That's our children all the way to 45th Street. Now, Colin, you're in here. You might know off the top of your head. Maybe you're not. I kind of guessed in the first service. I suspect we need somewhere between 60 and 70 volunteers on a Sunday to pull those off. Is that right? Yeah. 60 to 70 volunteers every single week so that our children can be taken care of in a safe environment while you're in here hearing the gospel. They're being taught about the gospel. We need 60 to 70 volunteers just on Sunday morning, just at this campus, to pull off our corporate worship. The building needs to be prepared. There are people that clean it and straighten the rows and pick up the trash and clean out the bathrooms so they smell nice. Like when our guests come in, no one's coming into church and the bathrooms stink, right? And, and there's, there's a production team. And, and I always say that, that the production and the tech team uh, they're, how many of y'all know, uh, like football? This, is, this, is land, this will land with my football people. All right. I always say the production team is like the offensive line of a football team. The offensive line, if you ask any football coach, they will, you, you say to them, like everybody in this room knows who the quarterbacks are, right? Every, if I started throwing out, you know, John Elway or really Joe Montana, like even if you're not a football player, like, oh, I've heard that name. The quarterbacks are the prima donnas of football, Okay. The, the real football players, they will, every football coach will say, it's the line. It happens in the trenches. The offense, right, Matt Kerr? How important is the line? It's super important, right? And so the offensive line, like you never hear on a football game about the offensive line, and they're super important unless they do something wrong, right? And then a yellow flag comes out, and they get penalized, and you're like, what is that offensive lineman doing? He's played great all year, but he gets yelled at for his one mistake. Our tech team is like that. We are desperate that they do a good job, and we don't even know they're there until they're not here. And like, where are the words on the screen this morning, right? Like, it's the offensive line, and our computer, they keep rebooting the computer, and they don't know, you know. And so, and how many of you guys grew up in a church that uh, your church had hymnals, right? Hymnals, right? Me too. I grew up in the hymnal, you know, remember that? Turn to page 478. Right, and you get to 478, and like a guy would say, the worship leader would be like, "We're gonna sing the first and fourth verse." Like, what about the third verse? I love the third verse, you know. And like, you know, skip over those two for whatever reason, and and uh, and so like, and we've moved away from him though. It's neither here nor there. It's not good or bad. But we use a technology to put the words on the screen. So guess what? When tech doesn't work, we are disabled. Right? We are walking with a limp. Uh, because it's really, really important part of our, our ministry. And then we have ushers. That they're the people that when a guest comes, that, that we make people feel welcome, right? And so um, I remember you know, when we first got into our new building, uh, our, it was our new building up on 17 across from the Harley-Davidson or near the Harley-Davidson, and that was our first building. And uh, there was a lady here, she's still here, Miss Mary, and Miss Mary was a greeter. And I'm not kidding, for the first five years of that new building, 
every single time we did a baptism, a, one of the people that was getting baptized would say like, man, I remember my first time in the coastal, I was made to feel so welcomed by Miss Mary. That happened over and over. And that's because she's so bubbly and she's so outgoing. And like, if you're like, you don't want to put Eeyore as an usher. Okay. So like, you know, that, that's the person at the front door that's like this, you know, and your guests are walking in and they're like, hey, you know, like that, that doesn't make people feel welcome. And we want people to feel welcome because listen, if when a new person comes to Coastal, like it's all strange to them. Like, remember what it's like to go to a new church. It's weird and they do weird things and they raise their hands, they clap at different times. Like you don't know what you're supposed to do. And long before they hear the preaching or the music, it's, it's the ushers and greeters. I remember one week I wasn't preaching and I decided to go out and volunteer on the parking team. And I was such a disaster. I almost had two cars get into an accident, you know? And so I was like, this isn't for me. And a parking team, super important. In fact, one of the challenges we're facing at Coastal, by the way, guys, this is what I'm about to share with you. It's just, I, my mind is just blown with what the Lord is doing right now. Um, I told you like three weeks ago, we had our highest um, non-Easter servants attendance we actually last week overshot that by almost 10%. We had over 2,200 people at our four campuses last week. Incredible, like just incredible. And here we had almost 1,700. And, and one of the things, I, and the reason I'm telling you that, one of my concerns when we bought this building, you know, four, five, six years ago now, is that I always felt like this building could hold somewhere between 1,800, maybe 2,000 max. And part of the bottleneck of this building is our parking. Like, so our parking team is so important, like traffic flow, getting people in and out, just an incredibly important ministry. And, and by the way, shameless plug, okay, I'm just going to tell you right now, starting next week, uh, we are going to have our full children's program at the eight o'clock service. If you can come to eight o'clock, it's, it's like a service to us, to the coastal, to continue to be able to reach the community because God is sending us so many people and eight o'clock's been filling up too, but we really could use more seating, parking, children's space for, for the 9.30 service. We're really, really packed. And then there's our hospitality team. If you get a good cup of coffee, it's from them. And our security team, they walk around here and keep this place safe for us as we're worshiping to make sure it's a safe environment. And our prayer team, after the service, they are up here. And let me tell you something. Prayer team, they get some heavy stuff. Like, they got to come in ready, geared up to minister because there's a lot of times people come up and they, they'll be weeping and because life is hard and we need each other and we need prayer. And, and man, where would we be without our prayer team to minister and your worship team? I don't know if you ever think about the worship team, but like, like they actually get the music a couple weeks in advance and practice individually. Then they come up here on Thursday night and give a couple hours of practice on Thursday night. And then they show up here at 6 a.m. on Sunday. And depending on how long I preach at the third service, they don't get out of here until 1245 one o'clock. They put in a full day's work essentially to serve this church body so that we can sing praises to the Lord. And there's bulletins that need to be prepared for four different campuses and your financial support. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't exist without you guys serving and coming in and gifting to the Lord. I mean, there's so many parts of the body, so much diversity. And I'm just talking about Sunday morning ministry. Amen. I mean, I'm not talking about food ministry and the missions that goes on and the small groups and the youth group and the college ministry and the men's ministry and the women's ministry. Just go on and on and on and on. Diversity is essential for the gospel to go forward. Isn't that cool? Letter E. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Jesus is the author of the placement of the body, I guess. Where the body members serve is up to the Lord. He's the author of the placement. 
Check this out, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them, and what's it say here at last? As he chose. In other words, there's two parts to this. In other words, you are where you are in the body because the Lord put you there. Isn't that amazing? So that means that, you know, and, and I see two things that happen when it comes to our gifting and our passion. One is what I call gift envy, right? So you have a particular gifting, God's using you in a particular area, and you're pining to have a different gift, right? And usually the gift that you're pining for, it has a stage and a microphone, right? Like, man, like, I sure, sure wish I could sing, right? So finally you audition, right? You're like, I'm going to go audition. And, um, and then you audition and they like, yeah, there's, God's got something else for you, you know, kind of thing. And, and you're kind of irritated at Spencer at that point, you know, Pastor Spencer, he's so mean to me, you know, like it's his fault that you can't sing. And so, uh, and why can't you sing? Because God didn't give you that gift, okay? And it's okay. God's got a spot for you. And we have gift envy, man. I wish I, I have this one, but man, I sure wish I had that one. And, and we wish we had another gift. And then the other one is what I call passion projection. And so whatever you're passionate about, you project that everyone else should have the same passion. Have you ever done that? Like, Man, and so I and so I call that Johnny One Note. When Johnny One Note ends up in my office, and they're like, "Hey, Pastor Sean, like we got to give more attention to youth ministry. A study show. We get the youth at eighteen. They'll serve Jesus their whole life. They're Johnny One Note. I'm so excited for their passion. And they're like, "Man, if we don't like if we if we don't do youth ministry, we ain't got nothing." And I'm like, "Well, not that we don't have nothing." And then the next Johnny One Note comes in. It's men's ministry. We don't do men's like that's all men get the man you get the home and then you know and on and on it goes and, and then the next one is prayer ministry and if you don't want to pray and we're not doing anything and marty there's any way but you know so, and, and so like and i love marty and so you know and then like and it's and it's passion projection and that's why god has you there right you're man you're you get you eat sleep and drink it you know and and but guess what all of it's important like it's the body of christ like Whatever your passion is, man, I'm really, really grateful that it's your passion uh, because we need you and we need your passion. The body needs your passion. Okay, so the one side of God puts people where he chooses is he's put you where he's got you. And the other side of it is this. God has put the other people where God wants them as well, right? Have you ever done this? Have you ever walked out of church where you didn't have maybe the best experience or something once I was in and in your mind, as you're walking out, you're like, you know what? If I was a pastor of this church, you know what I'd do? Oh, you guys have had those thoughts before? Okay, I just thought that might be true. If I was a small group leader, man, if I was leading worship at this church, if I, if I was the student pastor, okay, I'm going to put this as delicately as I can. You're not, all right? And, and you're not because God didn't put you there. You are where you are because you are where, and by the way, and here it is, ready? If you want to be there, pray about it because the Lord puts people where he wants them. I want to be the pastor. Start praying, man, and God, maybe God make you the pastor of Coastal Church, and I'll look at you and go, have at it. Here you go. Have the seat, right? Or there's a gazillion churches out in the community that don't have pastors. Like, 
sign up and go lead one, right? And do it the way you do it. And by the way, we need small group leaders. So if you think you should do it, you're smart, like sign up and do it. Like we have, we have a process to get you to develop you as a small group leader. And we'd love for you to lead a small group, but man, just start asking the Lord. He's sovereign over where people sit. Amen. I always say this, this church does not belong to me. Amen. Does not belong to me. It's, it's Christ's church. I steward it as the pastor. I serve as long as the Lord wants me to be the pastor. He put me here. He can take me out. Amen. And so, and same thing for you and your ministry. We serve humbly. We serve open-handed. Lord, it's your church. You place us. You take us out. We serve open-handed. All right. Number two, here we go. The necessity of every member. You are important. 1 Corinthians 12, 19. Paul says, if all, of, if we, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there's many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So Paul here is reminding us of the importance of interdependence. God has put all of us here with our differences and our passions and our talents and our income levels to mutually support the body. No one person is more important than another in the body of Christ. Now, I want you to hear me on this. God does not expect any one person to do everything. I want you to hear me on that. God does not expect any one person to do everything. I've seen this many, many times. I especially see this with like new Christians. A new person will become a new follower of Jesus. They're all fired up and they jump into everything. Man, they, and I, you know, I start coming up here and they're like here every time the door's open, and I'm like, that's probably not good, you know, and they're always here, and they're doing everything, and then what happens is in about a year and a half, guess, guess what happens? They're what? Anybody know? They're burnt out. Why do they burn out? Listen, they think the church depends on them. Maybe you, that's you. Maybe you're here, you're really, really fatigued, like sp- spiritually fatigued because you're serving in so many places. I want to encourage you, like, God didn't put it you here to do everything. Find the one or two things that God put you here to do, and do that with all of your might, serving God, going to bed tired, but you don't have to do everything. By the way, you're not God. You're not Jesus. You don't have to save everybody's problems and be there for everybody's problems. At the end of the day, you can't fix everybody because you're not God. God is the only one that's all, all the time everywhere, not you. You have a limited capacity. Why? Because it's supposed to remind you the world doesn't revolve around you right? And you can't fix everybody. And so God expects, does not expect any one person to do everything. Likewise, God does not expect any Christian to do nothing. It is an oxymoron to say, to talk about a Christian without a ministry. That's a contradiction. So if you're sitting here doing nothing, you, and you're saying that you're a Christian, you, uh, you're being a disobedient Christian. And so you don't have to do everything, but you also can't do nothing. You're a part, if this is your home church, you are a part of this body, and God has a place for you to minister. You're needed. You're a part. The Holy Spirit is in you. You're not individually, you're a member of yourself, you're, an individ, you're a member of this body of Christ of which it is imperative that you find a place to serve. 
Letter B, Paul says, it's important that remember we have weaknesses. Our weaknesses are indispensable. He says in verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. You ever broke a toe? Somebody in this church is the big toe of the body of Christ, right? If you think that's you, raise your hand. Like, that might be me, okay? And, and guess what? You're important. Like, have you ever looked at your, by the way, toe, what? You look at your toes, you're like, God, what were you doing? Those things are hideous, you know? Like, what in the world, right? You ever break a toe? Like, if you break a toe, like, it really does change things for you. It changes your gait. It changes the things that you can't do or can or can't do. Like, no pickleball this weekend. I broke my toe, you know? And, and those kind of things. Like, it really makes, makes, us, makes you limp. Some of us are limping because you're not a part of the body. You say, oh, I'm the big toe. The big toe is important. Paul says your weakness is indispensable. And some of you aren't serving because of you, you've, you've, and Pastor Andrew kind of hit on this last week, like you've checked yourself into the penalty box because of your past. Pastor John, you don't know what I did last year. You don't know my past, God. Like if people knew my past, like my past, my past, my past. I love John chapter 21. John chapter 21 is right after the resurrection of Christ. The apostle Peter Jesus saddles up next to the Apostle Peter. So the Apostle Peter, while Jesus was being crucified, what was the Apostle Peter busy doing? Denying I even knew Jesus three times. The third time, the Bible says he even cursed. Like this is the, remember I talked about Christian movies? This is where the Christian movies, like, you know, that scene comes up. Golly gee, I mean it this time. Okay, so like, no one's going to watch Christian movies when I'm done. Anyway, um, no, the Bible says he cursed and said, I do not know him. Can you, can you imagine? I wonder what Peter was feeling at the resurrection of Christ. He probably had mixed emotions. Like, man, this is unbelievable. Oh, man. He knows. He knows that I... And so in John chapter 21, Jesus shows up. And where's Peter? What did Peter decide to do? He went back to his old life. He's like, I'm no good. I'm just going to go back to fishing. That's all I know. That's all I'm good for. And Jesus shows up, and he says something very important to him. He says, Peter, do you love me? He asks him a question. Do you love me? Now, the English doesn't do a great translation job here, but Jesus uses like an intimate word for love. And Peter responds with a word for love that's more like like. He's like, you know I like you. No, 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 Peter. Do you love me? And Peter says, you, you know I like you. He says it again. And finally, a third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And what does Peter respond? He says, you, you know all things. What's he saying there? You know I'm a screw-up. You know I had my moment. I, I'm the one that when the other disciples, when, when you said the disciples were going to be scattered, I'm the one that said, not me. I'm standing toe-to-toe with the enemy, and I'm the one that denied. I couldn't even live up to my own word. Some of you are here this morning, you're like, I cl- I, for years I'm claiming to be a Christian, then this temptation came, and I stumbled and I fell, and now you're in the penalty box. You're thinking, God can't use me. And the Lord is looking at you and he's saying, do you love me? 
And even with your shame, you're going, I still love you. Great. What does Jesus say next to Peter? Take care of my sheep. Love my body. Get in the game. I am not done with you yet. Some of you, though, even the weakest member is not indispensable. You have a part to play in this church. Amen? Because God is in the process of redeeming and restoring what's broken and using it for the glory of the gospel. Third thing, let her see. There's unity in suffering and honor. We're we're united around the body, around the membership. Paul says in verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. In our serving the Lord together in our local church, we're, we're to be honoring those who are doing well. We're to have compassion on the hurting. We're to be deeply and genuinely loving one another. Now, this happens, church, even though we're talking this morning about serving the Lord, and the way we make disciples at Coastal is connect, grow, and serve, corporate worship, small group, and finding a place to serve. Today, I'm talking about serving, but this is a, this is a push towards small group. Like, if we're going to have compassion for one another, that is not going to happen in a room with hundreds and hundreds of people, everybody facing forward, okay? This is connect. You have got to be in a small group where people surround you and know you and can pray for you and bear your burdens when things are going rough. You, part of our discipleship is to be in a small group. You have to be in a small group. We want you to be loved on and cared for and your needs be lifted up, your arms be held up when you're tired and weak. That happens in a small group. Join a small group. And then finally this morning, the Apostle Paul reminds, number three, emphatically you. So 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now... You are the body of Christ and individually your members of it. Now, now the word you there, the English version doesn't really completely capture its emphasis. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. You yourself are the body of Christ. It's an emphatic you. You, and 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 you, you are the body of Christ. And the believer next to you is the body of Christ. And the expectation of the scriptures is that you are going to live out who you are. You are the body of Christ, now live it out. And serve the Lord and serve one another. The scriptures, Jesus, when he ascended into heaven and left the message of the gospel to transform the world to go forward, he doesn't have another plan. He's not going to write it in the sky. You know, when he shows up a second time, that's it. And in between time, he has left it to the likes of you and I. That's pretty fascinating, isn't it? In fact, I would say it's pretty gutsy. I, uh, I went to the doctor recently. I'm going to invite the worship team out. We'll finish, we'll finish out here in a minute. I went to the doctor recently. I, my Achilles was hurting for months, really, really bad. And so I finally went to the doctor, and um, I went in, and he's like, does an x-ray, and he's doing some stuff. And here's what I was expecting. I was expecting some kind of a shot into the, into the tendon, like a steroid shot, and I was expecting physical therapy. Um, that's not what I got he, he held up a walking boot, this big old thing. Because you're going you're gonna to be wearing this for eight weeks. 
This appointment was about four weeks ago. I looked at her and said, uh, I ain't wearing that, Doc. So, uh, so, like, have you ever worn a walking boot? Yeah, they're life-changing, right? Like, I put this thing on, and I don't wear it on Sunday when I'm preaching. I don't wear it as much as I should. But anyway, that's between me and God. And so, um, and I'm not wearing it as much as I should, but, like, I'm wearing this thing, and it's a clunky mess, man. I'm beating the desk up under my desk, you know. God help the dog if he's under my feet, you know. Like, he's getting clumped, and you don't get to play sports, and you don't get to go on boats, and you, you know, whatever. I went to my brother-in-law's boat, and like, oh, well, I'll take it off there. Anyway, so, you know, and like, it's a life changer, right? It's a game changer. If you're not serving in ministry, you are strapping a walking boot on this church. We are not what we could be if you're not serving. Amen? We have a disability. The body's not all that it could and should be without your walking boot. So here's what we're going to do. How many of y'all have been a part of Coastal? We've done our volunteer fair. We have the booth set up out there, right? Have you ever done that? Okay, so we're doing it different this year. Here it is. All right, get your phone out. This is really cool. Get your phone out. Everybody get your phone out. Last time you ever hear me say this in church. All right. Oh, wow. Uh, Cricket Wireless. I owe them money. Anyway, so um, get your phone out, and I want you to Go to TikTok. I have a new dance video. Just kidding. So um, get your internet app out and whatever you use, Chrome or whatever, right? And I want you to punch in this address. Here we go. I want you to punch in www.gocoastal.org backslash serve. So you can do this now. Oh, your flip phone's not going to work. So um, www.gocoastal.org backslash serve. You can do that now. Everybody doing it? How many of y'all doing it? Half of a third of you. Okay. You're going to find there the list of ministry opportunities at Yorktown. And the way that they're listed is greatest need to lesser need. So the ones like, man, these are some huge needs at Coastal. So if you're not involved, and as you scroll down, maybe you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't like kids. You know, okay, then don't do kids. Okay, I get it. So, but if you like kids, sign up. But we could always use children's helpers for sure. Um, find a spot. You can, man, that interests me. Sign up, click on it, sign up. Our, our leadership team will get in touch with you and will get you involved in ministry. Okay, now I'm going to give you, I'm going to tie this division, and then we're going to close with prayer. Maybe you walk into Coastal Church, put your phone away now, that's it. All right, now you're, now you're just playing solitaire, okay? So put that away. You know how to do it. Let me give you some vision. You might walk into Coastal and you might say, man, there's plenty of people around here serving. Eh, okay, no, there's not. Secondly, God has, is calling us to multiply. God is calling this church to multiply. Last night we went up to Williamsburg. We had a picnic in Williamsburg. We're praying about Williamsburg, right? 2022 for Williamsburg has just been prayer. We want to pray, 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 pray. I really believe God's going to have us eventually launch in Williamsburg. When we do that, there's going to be probably 100 to 150 people leaving Yorktown to go up and plant in Williamsburg. And some of them work in children's ministry and youth ministry and ushers and parks. That means we need 150 people to backfill, right? And I do believe God's going to give us some other campuses. I mean, what God is doing through the life of Coastal right now is like mind blown, right? Because God is calling us to plant gospel outposts all across the peninsula. Amen? Like, we're not done. We're just... It's scratching the tip of the iceberg of what God has us to do. And so guess what? We need you to be involved so that either we're going to send 
Or you might get sent to another campus. You're like, oh, I know how to do children's ministry at Coastal. I know how to do usher ministry at Coastal. I know how to do green ministry, you know, whatever. I know how to do these ministry. I know how to do prayer ministry at Coastal. Like, I'm going to multiply, where God in his grace is going to allow us to multiply these, and you're going to be a part. Because here's the deal. God left the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the likes of us. And it's pretty humbling. People that don't always get along, people don't really know how they love like they should, people who get anxious and nervous and fatigued and sick. He has left the spiritual legacy of making disciples to us. And here's the deal, you ready? This supernatural thing called the church will not fail. Jesus said, upon this rock, the rock of Peter's confession, Jesus is the Christ. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You want to hear something crazy? If you're like me, man, you're looking, you're watching the news nowadays and you're like, these are some crazy times. You may even go, I don't even know if the government, the way it was established in my upbringing is going to last forever. You ever have those thoughts? The foundation seemed to be shaking a little bit. You want to know what foundation never shakes? The church. It will not fail. And you get to be a part of it. Don't let us put a walking boot on and limp through life. Be a part of exalting the gospel of Jesus Christ and making disciples for this generation, the next generation, and the next generation. Be a part because you yourself are the body of Christ. Amen, church? Amen. All right, I'm going to close with prayer. Prayer team, come on up. Stand up here under these screens. If you came in this morning, you need some prayer. Don't leave without getting some prayer. We want to minister to you that way. And then we're going to go out singing, reminding ourselves that this thing called the local church is ultimately the grace of God. Jesus' grace has allowed us to be a part of what he's doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your body. Thank you for the men and women that serve here. This is an incredible church. Anytime people say, man, I'm hearing good things about Coastal, I always say, man, it has the most incredible people that love the Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful for each and every one, God. And I pray that you'll continue to allow us to serve you with joy, grace, and hope, and purpose so that the gospel of Jesus Christ may be exalted and we will continue to make disciples until the day that Christ returns and our faith becomes sight. Until then, God, help us to serve well for the fame and glory of Jesus. And it's in Jesus' most precious name I pray. Amen. Let's go out singing this morning.